I think most people in North America really do embrace diversity. And if you stand behind that message, it's really hard to argue with that for any company. The whole world is sort of your consumer. It's funny. It's like, it's going from the selling model to the serving model before it was like, like, let me just tell you all about me, 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 me. And now Mm -hmm. it's much more about kind of how can I serve you more as a community and bring you into the story and the brand versus just kind of hitting you over the head with the brand? Some people think that this is just a moment in time. It is not a moment in time. I've been in this business long enough to see now the fervor and interest in building lasting systemic programs to create change. This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo. I'm super excited to have three amazing guests on the podcast this week. Uh, We had Robin last week, and now we have three amazing founders and uh, leaders of awesome marketing agencies and advertising agencies. We have Julie Kenny. She's the co-founder of Second Spark. It's an agency that's pursuits in the progress of the healthcare healthcare industry, and they've worked with uh, many billion-dollar uh, healthcare pharmaceutical brands. Um, we have Todd Evans. He's the president and CEO of Rivendell Media. Uh, they're a unique media rep firm that specializes in the LGBTQ uh, consumer. And then we have Michelle Flowers Welch, the chairman and CEO of Flowers Communications Group, one of the nation's top multicultural integrated marketing agencies. Um, welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you for having us, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. So, I like to start off with a little challenge in the beginning. Uh, maybe give us a two-minute or maybe a Twitter size length uh, bio of kind of um, how you got to where you are today. Maybe we'll start with uh, Julie. Okay. Well, um, Twitter size. Oh my gosh. Okay. So um, I I would say like I've always had a passion towards advertising used to make, um, commercials as a child with the big, like VHS recorders, um, just loved the creativity of it, loved the kind of persuasion of it. I probably couldn't tell you what the brands are, um, that we, we created commercials for. It's probably more for a Saturday night live skit, but, um, we, I mean, I went down that path, went to school for advertising, um, went through my entire, like, 15 years of different, um, advertising agencies, some small, some, um, in a big kind of holding company. And, um, then I, I left kind of seeing the, trying to create something that was really unique and needed in the industry. Um, so we, we left, um, and founded second spark and, um, kind of have been building and reimagining our, our company as, as the industry has changed over the course of the past 11 years. And, um, that's kind of how I've gotten to where I've gone. Awesome. Thanks, Julie. Uh, how about you, Todd? 
Oh, yeah. Mine was uh, kind of by chance. I was in the printing industry for about a decade. And my friend had, I uh, became friends with the founder of the company. And I was instantly fascinated with the business. And uh, he was a one-man store at the time. And I was like, Joe, it's like I really think I could do something with this. And I tried to make a deal with him. I worked for him for a little bit. And I said, you know, I'll try and bring in the business. He didn't think there was enough business at the time. And, um, unfortunately he had an asthma attack right after that and, um, died in the city and, um, his partner had to take it over. And I waited as long as I could. We were friends and he would tell me how his days were going. And one day he said, uh, I'm ruining this business. I'm going to have to do something. I'm going to go to a business broker. And I said, no, you're not going to go to a business broker. I'm going to figure out how to buy it. And so I bought the company in 1994 and uh, it was started in 1979, but I do have an affinity for it. I doubled the sales every year for 10 years, right, right to 9-11. Uh, 9-11 became much harder <laughs> to do that. Um, and, and that's just really how it was. I did have a passion for it. It's a, when you're involved in a cause that's also your business, it's, um, it's hard not to have a passion for it, I would say. Absolutely. Oh, no, I love that. And how about you, Michelle? Joe, I have known that I wanted to have my own business since I was a little girl. So I toyed with all kinds of entrepreneurial activities um, as a little girl. I didn't know what that business would be, however, until I stepped into Golan Harris Communications, now known as Golan. It's a major general market uh, PR shop. Um, but while I was at Golan, I then developed this passion for multicultural marketing, which Golan did not do. So I left Golan, I went to Burrell, and under the mentorship of one of the pioneers in the industry, uh, Tom Burrell, I learned the business of, of multicultural uh, marketing. And uh, left after a few years with his blessing, of course, uh, to start Flowers Communications Group. So this is a childhood passion that has now come to fruition for me. Absolutely. And congratulations on being recently named to Forbes uh, America's Best PR Agencies 2021 list. I am extremely proud of that. It was very unexpected. And sometimes those are the best wins when you least expect something wonderful and dynamic to happen to you. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, I just want to switch gears real quick. Um, obviously, we're in a pandemic um, the last few months, and yeah, things have been quite crazy. I'm mean, actually here in Canada, but uh, also in the States and around the world. Um, how have you guys been able to fare with the recent few months of uh, lockdown and quarantine and whole pandemic? I mean, I can take that one first is, um, so being in the healthcare industry and a customer engagement agency, we, um, are very prosperous during this time. Um, and fortunately, um, you know, m many of our clients actually are helping in this pandemic. So whether it's coming up with a vaccine or, um, creating masks or, ventilators, uh, all of which we are working with those uh, companies, um, you know, they're in need of a lot of help. So we've been very fortunate in that we've been able to grow actually during this time. Um, recently, we were just featured on the news because we created a pandemic pod for our employees' children. Um, 
so that the mothers, uh, who many of my employees are, are mothers of elementary school children, we've actually uh, hired a teacher so that they could come into the office and collaborate where needed, but being so safe um, during this time. So we kind of created this pandemic pod uh, and uh, have been doing really well. Oh, nice. Um, for, for you, Todd, I'm curious, how has COVID impacted LGBTQ uh, media? Well, it, it's been tough, I have to say. Um, as far as the office goes, when we had Hurricane Sandy, we're on like the most major road in New Jersey, right outside New York City. And we didn't have power for three weeks, 21 days at the office or my home. So we, that was how we kind of learned how to work remotely and, and do everything remotely. So this hasn't been bad as far as the workload goes. But what's really been a challenge for the titles that I represent in the media properties is their distribution, um, a lot of them being bars and business establishments, and they've been closed. So while we had no... Um, real downturn from our clients. You know, everything was sort of status quo. Most of my biggest clients said, we're not increasing, we're not decreasing, we're staying the same. I have had a challenge with the media properties and actually being able to get the message out. Um, and I will say though, but most people in media have been pretty reasonable and pretty much understand that, you know? So we just have, uh, you have to be a little limber and, and flexible, but like in my business, circulation and um, frequency or even quality, if it's a digital format, it's all based on the revenue that comes into them. So I always say everything's artificially low if, if times are not as good. So we're going to have to see, but so far we're managing well. I figure we got this far, got to get to the next summer. And I, I think by, by pride, we should be back to normal. I'm hoping. Cross my fingers. <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> Joe, we have really had to uh, jump in during this point in time. Uh, given the disproportionate impact of COVID-19 on African-American and Hispanic communities, where we are um, uh, three times more likely to contract uh, the virus and then uh, much more likely then to die as well. So uh, we have really upped our work with government entities and institutions. Uh, we're working right now with uh, Cook County, uh, the county in which Chicago is located, on a mask up campaign, really pushing people to utilize their masks and uh, to exercise proper hygiene to, present, to prevent the spread. Uh, Chicago is a hot spot uh, right now. Um, we were just tapped about a week or so ago by uh, Chicago Mayor Lightfoot uh, to lead a Protect Chicago campaign that also is focused on uh, wearing masks and other preventive measures um, and uh, utilizing uh, advertising properties and uh, public relations vehicle stories, you know, earned media uh, to get the word out, especially during this holiday season. The mayor really wanted to kind of drill down and make sure that uh, people were staying home as much as possible. So we've been deeply engaged in uh, a lot of that work. Well, very nice. Speaking of staying home, I'm in my own little pandemic pod here, uh, trying to stay safe. Uh, for you, Julie, you mentioned that obviously you're seeing a higher uptick in the pharmaceutical healthcare industry. How, have you guys been able to adjust? Uh, are you working remotely, um, in office still? How are you being able to manage um, kind of the more work coming through the doors? Well, so we're based in uh, 
Pennsylvania. Um, and it is, it, we had a lockdown where we were all virtual. I mean, our businesses definitely were all able to work remote, um, as restrictions kind of, um, uh, were removed, we just found and, and numbers started to go down because we're, we do a lot better in collaboration mode. Um, we did come into the office, so I'm in the office right now. Um, I mean, many of our clients are really looking for other ways to engage their audience because right now they, you know, whether it's a sales rep trying to talk to a doctor, um, you know, how do, how do you do so in a virtual setting that's far more than a Zoom call? Um, and so we're really trying to figure out that and crack that nut of the best engagement methods for our, our healthcare companies that are really trying to figure out how to how to um, reinvent themselves in a way of how they typically have gone to market with their um, sales reps. Okay. And not to stay on the pandemic uh, topic too long, I'm sure listeners can get bombarded on uh, by the media news all day, but um, I'm curious, we have the pandemic on the news. We also have the racial um, protests, demonstrations as well, Black Lives Matter. Uh, even here in Canada, we have some de demonstrations as well, but um, it seems like there's a racial justice movement and um, big march towards more um, awareness going on. And uh, from your perspective, Michelle, how can, how can you explain what's going on from your perspective? Joe, in the 30 years we've been in business, I have never seen such a a major shift in the consciousness of, of corporate America and uh, across a, a multitude of institutions to address uh, racial inequality, uh, injustice, and uh, discriminatory practices. Um, the, the focus on programs and um, policies and meaningful actions um, to improve the quality of life in communities that have been disenfranchised has been tremendous. So, um, many people want to land on the right side of history. Uh, as I said, I've been doing this for 30 years and I've never seen this kind of uh, momentum. Um, this is the second civil rights movement. So you want to be on that, that right side. So we are seeing the um, collective hard work of billions of dollars now uh, being focused on uh, affecting change and moving our country. Uh, in the right direction. Um, some people think that this is just a moment in time. It is not a moment in time. I've been in this business long enough to see now the fervor and interest in building lasting systemic programs to, to um, create change. Absolutely. And speaking of diversity, um, Todd, from, from your perspective as well, um, how is things change from when you first started uh, to today? Well, you know, um, on the pandemic side, so the first thing we thought there's print and, ver and digital, right? So we thought, oh, there goes print, like thinking that the demand and print is still very much king in the LGBT community because most of our um, distribution of the media is within LGBT neighborhoods and, and so on. But it was just the opposite, actually, because people were really craving their own voice, right? I'm sure Michelle can relate to it. It's, it's by and for your media, by and for um, your own community. And who do you really trust? And uh, I think one thing this whole last uh, couple of years has shown us is trust 
is, is, is such an important thing. Even, even like for pharma with Julie, like, um, you know, here's this whole uh, in pharma distribution method of getting information out based on trust and doctor's offices. You know, my mom goes to a doctor's office. She goes, I don't, I don't touch anything. <laughs> right. So, um, so there, there, there's, a, there's bright sides and, and, um, and, and pitfalls. And it's, it's really a learning curve for everyone sort of all at the same time. So that, that kind of makes it different. Our digital is certainly a bright spot because it is up. But um, just to give a, you know, I'm always a glass is half full, but our business is down about 40% this year. That's a lot. Um, and it directly filters out to all LGBT media across the country. So I'm concerned and I've never worked harder. And uh, being alone in a big office, it's, it's lonely <laughs> a little bit. I, um, any agency can tell you that collaboration of ideas, even now doing this together, it, it uh, makes me feel great, right? Just to hear other people's views on different topics and makes me feel like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one thinking that. Um, so that, that's sort of where it stands. I hope I answered. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. I got to say, though, about Todd. Uh, so we work with Todd, obviously, under Titanium, and he is probably one of the most positive, um, uh, fun people to be around. His energy is just infectious. So um, I'm sure you're hearing that now, but just love the guy. Yeah, I can feel the positivity radiating off my Zoom screen, so <laughs> I can attest to that, too. <laughs> I need um, it. <laughs> uh, Julie, I'm curious. Todd mentioned that, I mean, you have to stay positive in ups and downs as a leader. Uh, for you personally, as an owner and leader, how have you been able to personally grow uh, throughout your journey? Well, um, you know, a lot of what we do, you know, as you're kind of leading an organization, my partner, Beth Cross and I, we challenge ourselves regularly listening to podcasts like this one, um, uh, whether it's reading a book from other industries to kind of get new ideas and new perspectives, um, which is another reason why we, we joined Titanium. Um, Titanium offers other industry expertise, uh, whether it's the automotive, um, the entertainment industry, there's, there's so many things that you can learn, uh, and bring forward into, uh, your own business. So, a lot of what we do is it's, it's listening to books. It's listening to podcasts. It's kind of taking these nuggets and trying to, um, like tell your own story, um, piecing these little elements together. Well, that's awesome. I have to echo what, uh, what Julie, what Julie said, uh, about, uh, titanium and, and the collective, um, I have found I've only been a member of the collective for a short time, but in that short time, I see how titanium members bring this diversity of expertise, this diversity of experience, this diversity of perspectives uh, to the table to create a stronger uh, uh, product um, and to really help today's marketers with some of the challenging and complex problems that they have. Bringing all of that together under one roof is what makes Titanium uh, such a bold and powerful uh, collaborative network to me. Unlike some of the um, uh, global, the bigger global uh, entities, we are much more nimble and can get around that table with all of those different perspectives very, very, very quickly. So that is definitely one of the strengths of, of Titanium. Absolutely. 
I think it would be good to maybe take a step back and add some context for the listeners uh, what titanium is. Uh, I'm sure they've listened to the last week's episode with Robin, but if you have it, make sure you listen. Um, so titanium, could you maybe give a quick description of uh, what titanium is and um, why you guys are a part of titanium? I mean, I, I could take a stab at, at starting there. I mean, uh, titanium is a collective of certified diverse organizations. Um, we have everything from market research companies to like um, Michelle and her company of multicultural to media companies like Todd, um, all the way to like analytics. So when you think about your, um, a brand in the marketing space, um, they touch all the different companies that, that we all have under the collective. Um, but what's really beautiful about it is we all are certified diverse. It allows us to have, um, like Michelle was just mentioning, a diverse perspectives, fresh perspectives. Um, we all join into it ourselves. So um, Titanium didn't purchase us. We all did it voluntarily because we could see that um, partnering with other companies uh, makes us stronger as an individual company. Um, so that's what I would say about titanium. It's, it's, a it has been really valuable to us and, um, valuable to our clients because they are able to tap into the diverse thinking that we, we offer. Sure. You know what I always say, just to add on to what Julie says is, um, there's nothing more empowering than knowing who to go to for something that you can't do. Right. And um, even if somebody can't in the group, I could say, oh, you know, I know Julie's in pharma, pharma so she's going to know someone that could probably put this together for us. Absolutely. And just to kind of go on that point, too, you guys are best in class. You guys are experts in your individual fields and uh, areas of expertise. I'm, I'm always curious when I have people like you, you guys on, on the podcast, what's been maybe a campaign or a marketing um, execution that you guys are really proud of that you want to share with, with the audience and what made it so successful? Um, so I will say that what I'm very proud of um, at our organization is as we think about kind of where we are today with, with marketing and marketing con to consumers and to, um, for me, healthcare professionals as well, um, there's a high level of personalization that's needed. And part of what we always say is that a, a doctor is a consumer first. Um, they're going through the same exact experiences that all of us, they're um, touching the same brands as anybody else. So they're used to those experiences and they um, expect them. And so one of the things that we created as an organization um, is a platform and a product that allows us to be hyper-focused, um, uh, we call it micro-segmentation, can really start to look at customers and create campaigns uh, and efforts that are very personalized to their needs. And um, it's just something that it sounds like obvious in today's world, but in healthcare, you know, they're a little bit more behind the times of kind of taking things on. They're slow to change. So we've been able to pull that expertise from uh, other industries and, and have, sh have created a product that 
um, our clients are buying and are seeing tremendous value in and how they can actually look at their data, look at their customers, and then do hyper-personalized communications to them. Very cool. Um, I am so very proud, Joe, of just about everything that, I shouldn't say just about, of everything that we do uh, (laughs) as an agency, because that's the kind of work that um, we take on. Uh, The underlying root for everything that Flowers Communications Group does is about making a difference in uh, our communities. So one of my campaigns I'd say that I'm most proud of, we did early in our days, it was in the early 90s, and it was an HIV AIDS awareness initiative uh, targeting African American and Latino women. And it was in the days when people were not stepping up to let you know their status. It was, you know, pre-Magic Johnson around that Um, uh, stage in place. So I was extremely proud of our ability to be able to work with this group of women who were HIV um, positive and uh, to uh, work with them in a way where they were not afraid to tell their stories and to show their faces and do work that would help other women take uh, preventative uh, behavior. So uh, I can see today the pictures of these women in the Chicago Sun-Times with their names under it and their stories told uh, in ways that weren't being done at that time. So I'm really proud of, of what I think was some groundbreaking work that we did to help make a difference in communities. Absolutely. I love that. And, and Todd, I want to ask you too, um, have you Got received any backlash from any uh, campaigns, LGBTQ specific media campaigns? Thank goodness, no. <laughs> but, um, it, you know, uh, clients are always concerned um, about it, but we always say if you're going to pursue this market, you have to do it in an authentic way. And if you were to get any backlash, you should have a statement prepared and be ready to to um, stand behind it. And we've never, you know, there's uh, over the years outside of what I do, there's been, um, I think, way back in the 90s, Levi's and I think Disney, when they did Gay Days at Disney, had a little backlash, but both of them reported increased sales and increased attendance soon after. So, I mean, I think I think most people, most people in North America really do embrace diversity. And if you, um, if you stand behind that message, it's, it's really hard to argue with that. Um, you know, for any company, the, the whole world is sort of your consumer. And one thing I wanted to point out about Titanium is Titanium's the um, agency of record for RICO. And, you know, RICO is a conservative Japanese company. And um, I think one of the reasons they chose, um, ultimately chose Titanium was because of that diversity perspective, right? To They knew they were uh, sort of locked into a small niche, you know, I remember when they were first talking about it and was like, Oh, the copier company. And they were like, no, we're so much more than that. And it was enlightening to all of us. And then the campaign is just rolling out. So there's not much I can talk about it, but it's, it's basically to change that, um, pigeonhole 
company into a much broader company um, uh, with arrays of offerings. I know when we had our first tour, we couldn't believe the products that they had that nobody knew about. And the CEO was there and he goes, yes, that's our problem. <laughs> nobody knows about most of these products. So it just was a really great win uh, in an unexpected way that, you know, you could see a a company that's already out there, diverse company, you know, choosing titanium. But I just thought it was just the opposite of what I expected. So um, I thought that was good news, you know, all around. Absolutely. I just wanted to ask also, uh, having such experts on the panel today, and maybe our audience would be interested in knowing what's maybe a marketing trend uh, currently that um, you're really excited about or something that you've seen um, from doing the groundwork. Uh, I mean, I can take that. I think, you know, it's weird. I you call it a trend, but I do think it's probably here to stay. Uh, and it goes back to kind of what I had talked about before of just personalization. You know, we have, we've seen a, a market that went from kind of this, uh, mass media approach of kind of the top of the marketing funnel, focusing there into the masses and, um, we're, we're seeing much more of a kind of a flipped funnel approach in, in an area where you really try to personalize to the individual and use those individuals to give your marketing um, more power. And it, it's kind of like this whole, um, like looking at your audience of a, maybe an even smaller, more engaged audience is better than a, a larger disengaged one. And I think that just goes back to how important personalization really is. No, absolutely. I think personalization, if you could segment and really speak to your audience, that's something that's always going to resonate. So um, that's great to hear. I'm excited about what is now purpose-driven marketing, uh, where these brands are really putting their dollars behind work, as I said, that makes a difference. You, you don't have to isolate selling your products from doing activities that do good things in our communities that help to build um, um, minority businesses, that help to provide educational opportunities for uh, our youth. So you'll see now this emergence. McDonald's just unveiled this entirely new purpose-driven uh, marketing initiative from what the stores look like to the products to uh, the, the, the diverse vendors that they work with as well. So that's a trend that's exciting me, uh, the, the emergence of, of purpose with brands in marketing. Michelle, I totally agree with you on that. Just uh, it's it's funny. It's like, it's going from the selling model to the serving model before it was like, like, let me just tell you all about me, 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 me. And now mm -hmm. it's much more about kind of how can I serve you more as a, a community and, um, you know, bring you into the story and the brand versus just, uh, kind of hitting you over the head with the brand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> Don't hit people over the head. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of uh, what you guys do, because um, we have some marketers listening, what's maybe a misconception about marketing or even uh, branding that you'd want to uh, debunk? I think it goes back to just what we were just talking about. Of um, it's not about like hitting you over the head. It's it's yeah. very much about bringing you into the story, serving you in a way, um, kind of 
creating a relationship with you and caring about you as a, as a customer, um, versus taking you for granted. Um, and particularly in healthcare, you know, I think pharma gets a bad rap where, you know, everybody, I think thinks based on what's been out there in the media of just, they're just there for profits, but very much so that's like the complete opposite of what we experience on a daily basis of like looking at the patient and trying to find every opportunity to connect with that patient, um, so that they can serve them well and, and give them the relief that they need as an, as a, as a customer of theirs. I think I'd like to debunk the myth that it's a, a, a one-time uh, sort of one opportunity, one engagement um, um, sort of uh, approach. Marketing is about building a long-term lasting relationship. So it's not about uh, launching a product, leaving the uh, consumer there until you have your next opportunity to talk to them connect to them about something new that um, you may have in your brand portfolio. It's about building that connection with them from the moment you uh, develop um, a, an initial relationship. Um, for example, there's a lot of data that talks about the loyalty of multicultural consumers. So when you begin to build that relationship, you've got to continue it and you will have that brand loyalty to support you, which is good for you during the ups and downs, economic ups and downs or brand ups and downs. You know, you need that trust bank. You need that loyal base of consumers that continue to, to move you forward. So the misconception that it's all about one campaign, uh, one um, opportunity to impact a, 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 um, a client, especially a targeted group of clients, is uh, something that we truly, really try to help uh, dispel and move people past. Absolutely. Do you guys feel like from, I'm sorry to ask the question, but do you, we have a, a strategy called like our brand fan strategy. So we, we talk about it to our clients, but we also use it internally with our clients. Um, and a lot of times, like our experience is always that our clients are kind of in that acquisition mode always, but lose sight of the, like you just mentioned, Michelle, the, that loyalty and kind of nurturing that relationship along the way and kind of what are those steps in, in keeping them, um, you know, engaged with you. And I was just wondering if, if you, outside of pharma, we definitely see like acquisition is a really important, like getting them onto a treatment or uh, prescribing a treatment uh, that they might not be familiar with. But then, you know, the keeping them on and seeing the value of that and nurturing that relationship is one that we have to definitely push for. And I just didn't know if outside of the industry, if, if you experience the same thing. I think it goes across industries because people are always trying to grow, you know, grow market share, bring in new customers, uh, bring in new users of their products. So it's up to us as strategists, as thought partners uh, with our clients to make sure that they don't lose uh, consciousness of the people who actually got them where they are. So we will oftentimes have a campaign, yes, that's focused on the acquisition of uh, new consumers, but there is also a maintenance and um, a... a um, a need to make sure that your existing customer stays excited because guess what? If you don't keep them excited about you and your brand, 
they may become acquisition targets for your competitors. So you want to make sure that you are doing both, bringing in new customers, but also making sure that your uh, base of consumers um, is happy and satisfied and, and you've paid attention to them as well in your marketing initiatives. That is so true. I mean, I have seen that over and over. So in, in LGBT marketing, so much revolves around just June, Gay Pride Month or Gay Pride Parades. And I can't tell you how many companies have spent way more than our regular customers during that time to disappear and then also disappear from the consumer's memory as well. And um, you, you balance that with a company, like everyone knows the absolute story in LGBT media, but basically what they did is... is came into the market strong for a couple of years and then just have maintained that over the years. And no one has ever been able to surpass it because they never follow through with the maintenance of it. So it, 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 it's just so true because what it also does too as an investment for a company is it turns your customers into your advocates for your company in case you have a problem, you know? Yes. Um, I remember Star, Starbucks had that war on Christmas didn't turn out to be a big problem because their loyal their loyal base came right to their aid and was like, no, 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 you haven't been in a Starbucks store. It's all about the holidays, you know, mm -hmm. type of thing. So that's, a, to me, that's marketing 101, but it's Todd, in, in, in agreement with you, because we've had clients, given our focus on multicultural marketing, want to develop a Black History Month campaign for the African-American community or a Hispanic Heritage Month campaign. And we say, what are you doing uh, 365 days a year beyond Black History Month? You know, and we try to move them to a more long-term sort of partnership uh, with this community because I also see campaigns that were built around a moment in time fail dismally because they weren't authentic and that consumers sniffed it out and saw it and called them on it right away. Yeah. Like those companies who were jumping on board with these uh, public uh, acknowledgements and platitudes for Black Lives Matter, you saw instantly a number of major brands get called out um, for what were inauthentic comments um, and, and also what, what we may call cultural appropriation, trying to take advantage of a moment in time for their brand's sake. But um, I think there has been some um, interesting knowledge poured into them uh, to move them now in, in, in a right and different direction. Yes, everything happens for a reason, I say, and I, I noticed yeah. that too. Yeah. And I good for them to, well, at least they learned the lesson, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, everything does happen for a reason. I only have a couple more questions here for you guys. I, I'm sure you guys have um, other other things on the on the agenda for today. But um, one thing I really wanted to ask was, what's maybe something you guys, each of you, are proud of that we haven't touched on today that you'd like to share with the audience? I mean, I'm. I would say that my most um, proud uh, thing within Second Spark is really. Uh, my people. Um, we have a, a powerhouse group of of women and and a man, um, but they're just operating at the top of their game, and it's like so awesome to be associated with them. And it just makes me really proud that we've built a team like that. But also, just they are succeeding and um, doing well themselves. 
I'll say I'm most proud of just the collaboration and being a part of Titanium and having being able to tap into that resource, especially the fact that everyone's a CEO. Everyone has basically done everything from emptying the garbage at their companies doing at the end of the day to doing the super big picture thing. So that I've never been in a meeting in Titanium and if someone say, no, I can't do that. Or could you get someone else to do it? Like, do that. And, uh, and that's what it takes as an entrepreneur anyway. You, you have to be willing to just get your feet wet and do it. We yeah. touched on mine at the beginning of the podcast. I'm extremely proud of the uh, Forbes America's Best PR Agencies recognition and am happy to bring that uh, capability to the Titanium Collective. Um, I provide that multicultural perspective and a strong public relations lens uh, added to all of the diverse talent that's already around the table. So I'm very proud of that. Awesome, guys. And where can our listeners connect with you guys online if they have more questions or just want to reach out to you guys? They can always well, go to my website, uh, explorefcg.com. Or uh, get me on IG at Michelle Flowers Welch. That's my handle. Same with the website, uh, secondspark.com, which is 2ndspark.com, um, as well as uh, LinkedIn. I'm Julie Kenny uh, on LinkedIn. Awesome. Uh, same thing, website, lgbtmarket.com or rivendellmedia.com or gaymarket.com um, or LinkedIn. I, I, th I find LinkedIn is a good way to, to make that first connection to Todd Evans. Perfect. Yeah, I'll put all the links in the description of the podcast. Um, it's been a real pleasure to have you guys on. Um, you brought a diverse, speaking of diverse uh, perspectives to the conversation. And um, since this is a marketing branding uh, type of podcast, I like to always end the podcast with the guest saying a, a, a word or a phrase to describe their brand. So my last question to you, Julie, is uh, what's maybe one word or phrase to describe Julie Kenny's brand? Oh, specifically to Julie Kenny or Second Spark? I mean, I would say for me um, and my company is just being relevant um, is one way. Uh, we are a customer engagement agency focused in healthcare and uh, in order to engage your customers right now, you have to be relevant to them. Mm, I love that. How about yourself, Todd? I'd say authenticity. You just have to be authentic about whatever it is that you're doing, and especially in our marketplace or especially in multicultural marketing. Don't do it if you're not going to be authentic about it. Awesome. And Michelle? I would say flow, which is an integral part of our name. Um, our ability to be fluid, to flow with the times has been key to our longevity and success flow. Mm, I love that. I think that really sums up the conversation. It's very relevant, authentic, and flowy. So really appreciate you guys being on the podcast. Thanks, Thank Joe. You. Thanks, Thanks, Joe. This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.